0: Welcome to the Dixie Polis Podcast. My name is Lucas. And I'm Travis. We're Southern men, de the South. All right. Well, JJ, how are you doing? Good, man. How are you?
1: Oh,
2: I'm all right. Is it uh, nice wherever you're at?
0: It was a beautiful day where I'm at
1: it is a little rainy a little warm today other than that it's good feel like spring yet i am yes yeah. oh it's been spring down here for like a month
2: <laughs> yeah man it's so wild here i mean it's like one day it could be like 75 and you know, sunny and next day at night it could be like 35 it's crazy but it's like everything's bloomed and spring is in the air and so I love uh, this time through like, I don't know, like June. It's, great.
1: it's a very fitting time to have Easter, though, because everything's coming out of the dead cycle of winter and it's all blooming and there's life everywhere. Yeah. And, uh, it's really, really good and symbolic of, of Easter itself.
2: Yeah, man. so you guys want to talk about just um mythology in general and like and how it relates to christianity in some sense and story and narrative
1: yeah i mean um because i mean i I literally uh, so i view as i was saying before we started recording i i basically view the uh the Old Testament and church history while not on par um, the Old Testament literally being the myth of Christianity but it's it's literally true like Lewis said or was it Lewis or Tolkien that said? Uh, no it was Lewis it was Lewis Christianity yeah. is the one true myth and um, once I heard that quote everything just seemed to snap and I'm like or click into place rather, not really snap. Uh, And it just all made sense, like why the stories in the Old Testament are the way they are, um, picking up on these Hebraic myths that, you know, even looking at something like Exodus, how, you know, while that's a true story, it's also told in such a way that, okay, God brought our people out of death and bondage into a brand new glorious, Uh, Kingdom that is um, that we inherit. We have to conquer it and that kind of stuff. And it's uh, really type and shadow of a church of the church rather.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think uh, to me, like, I guess, first off, like um, mythology, you know, it's, it's so kind of a key for a people uh regardless of what uh particular you know ethnicity or culture you're talking about and um clear, clearly like i you know religion religion has mythology to it and mythology isn't you know it's, it's i think it's important to like understand that like when when i say like mythology or or when somebody that like you know doesn't say it in in like a pejorative it's like it's like separating that to like, mythology doesn't mean necessarily that it didn't happen or it's, you know, a story that's just a fairy tale or whatever, um, that it's, to me, you know, it's, it's basically just a narrative of, of whatever you're talking about that's, you know, symbolic and, but symbolic in the sense of not just, that's another word, you know, like people use, I think the wrong way,
1: um, you know, for me,
2: like, you know, when most people say symbolic, they mean like superficial. Whereas, like, really, you know, symbolic, I think, really means that it's kind of a gateway to a higher meaning, you know, whatever that symbol stands for. And so it's not just, oh, okay, like, it's, you know, symbolic, it's mythological, it's mythic, it's kind of made up. No, it's like it, the deepest most important things are probably weaved into mythology. Um, And it's just a word that, you know, like I said, I would say is uh, synonymous with um, narrative, you know, you know, narrative of higher meaning, not just any narrative, but yeah.
1: So, So, oh, go ahead. I I would
0: kind of, I would approach mythology from two different angles. Um, On one hand it would be the body of symbols and um, I guess I want to say modes of being because you don't just have symbols in mythology you also have uh, characters that embody certain modes of being right. So it would be those characters and modes of being um, that are um, uh, perennial in nature that are used to either understand to communicate or to recapitulate the Edenic vision. So instead of it just being like stories or narrative, or even like around to a higher form of meaning, it's uh, specifically those ideas which are used to convey a form of perfection that humanity naturally longs for and seeks to return to that was understood by the Garden of Eden. And the second way in which I would use it would be um, uh, the, the higher forms of meaning, uh, but it would be uh, specifically the consistent themes and um, ideas that are They are naturally understood by humanity, but cannot necessarily be articulated by humanity. And so the, the the themes and the modes of being are being used to convey things which cannot be really spoken. And I'm kind of pulling off of Peterson on the second la- layer of the second definition um, because I, I I think that he's he's right about his overview of how people um, actually come to understand or to learn things that they have to play with things. And so mythology is kind of like this intellectual and moral playground where you can manipulate the ideas that you're trying to understand, that you instinctively can understand a trajectory of correct thinking or correct action or correct modality and be able to navigate that in this fictional world. Um, And so you're telling a story to try to navigate that properly. So I think that the Greek mythology, for instance, was an excellent example of this because they were infinitely concerned about the, the characters of the story having both this tragic nature to their character But also in attempt to overcome that tragic nature and so the pitfalls the pitfalls that the 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 characters fall into or the ways in which they overcome those difficulties sort of prove out a sort of moral scheme in the stories that they're telling so in your first
2: in the first view not the one you just described but the the earlier version of mythology would you say were you saying that the that mythology is also like how you are in the world like your being as such how you conduct yourself uh that as well
0: or yes uh, well that's what i meant by like modes of being like it, it's it's a way of living a way of orienting orienting what you are yeah a way way of constructing what you are to act properly or to be properly yeah and that's why i think
2: that uh for me like basically simply put like religion is um you know it's not just belief it's belief with ritual you know and so you that's what kind of grounds your belief is the rituals that you perform and you know in the ways that you conduct yourself and and so like you know how you would worship how you would pray uh the regularity of it and the those type of things and i could you know i could see that is and it it would probably have to be um a part of mythology you know if and and if if it is like a whole system, you know. Um, and yeah, I mean, the, the, I, it, it's interesting that because, you know, for Americans and stuff, from my perspective, um, we, we mythologize, you know, a lot of things that like, you know, uh, like the West, you know, like the frontier, famously we mythologize, you know, the foundation or the founding of our country, you know, the American Revolution. Um, And it's not like, it's, you know, it's easy to, especially I think, for people that are not believers in God in any way, or or they're not uh, religious in any way, to like, uh, just kind of scoff at the notion of the importance of mythology and like, just like you know that doesn't mean much you know essentially but it's like even they would you know could see themselves you know accepting the uh mythos of the you know the wild west and the frontier and those things um and so it's it's funny because like basically you know the the type of people that are uh claim to be like very rationalistic and very uh I don't know rational and very not even if they're not like outwardly atheist you know or something like that they downplay mythology while still accepting it and even embodying it in some way it's kind of funny
1: yeah uh the, the weird thing is is that everybody has their own um their own mythos right I mean, it's not—it's not a whether or not you have a myth. It's—it's it's which myth do you choose? Um, so, in the same way that I view a lot of the historical things that happened, as okay, if we want to get down into the minutia, the nitty gritty, um, this is not the this is not why things happened a certain way. So, take the War for Independence. It was it you know, getting down to the nitty gritty. It's it's okay. Well, you know, so and so is ignoring parliament, blah 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 blah. But whenever we tell the story of history, we add a little bit of myth to their oh, they were fighting for independence. They were fighting for self government. Um, that's part of the myth that that exists with with our history, right? So I
2: yep. exactly I mean yeah I I think <laughs> probably because of partly because of um the i think the history of our people like meaning you know um english-speaking people you know northern europeans people that have settled in america traditionally um they it's like yeah you can't Not not only can you not like escape the particular peculiar american mythos you can't really escape uh the christian mythos or you know earlier than that the you know greco-roman mythos as well and and others even without even knowing or being conscious of it um because like a lot of a lot of these things like i think um uh, is that how you pronounce your name finir
0: he goes by luke Okay. Oh, Lucas, um, had, my, my handle's 500 Okay. And, and Lucas like, you know, it said uh
2: um I lost my train of thought. I think uh basically like just that, you know, like people it, it, in their type of in trying to figure out where they where they are in the world and like how to operate in it you have to orient yourself uh within some sort of story and it's not just a story it's very important to you know it's very important to point out that you know if it was just an abstraction or a story and you know something like just that you told yourself in your head or that people repeated and you didn't uh it, it 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 didn't like influence you to act a certain way then it really wouldn't be it really wouldn't be uh as important you know it just couldn't be and and so that's again why that's one reason why I don't think uh for whatever reason we I, it's like in today's age we like we downplay not we I should say like a lot of people Downplay mythology, you know, in some sense, you know, as we get in the more technological world, more modern world, whatever, have, what have you, um, it, you know, but these myths are still with us and guiding us.
1: I think, well, I think that's been the naturalist way of thinking, oh, sorry, but, uh, I think that comes a lot with the, uh, the materialist way of thinking. So whenever everything is only, you know, matter in motion we want to get down to the bare bones of it, then myth doesn't matter because myth speaks of something greater than the actual material, the atoms bouncing around in front of you. It's literally, it it literally creates an ethos. When you have a myth, it creates an ethos all around everything you touch.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, this, this kind of speaks to the prevalence of like, um, the Marvel cinematic universe, right? Or even the comic books didn't really catch on in the public eye, like really catch on in the public eye until after the the MCU came out. Um, you know, the reason why those stories, the 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 Marvel and the DC stories have such an impact on people and they spend all their time yipping and yapping on the internet about how, you know, uh, Disney's messed this story up or that story up. Um, you know, what, you know, the, the whole idea of a fandom, right? That you have these, these groups of people that are just absolute fans of the next thing that, you know, is coming out of a specific IP. Um, the whole conception behind that is this attachment to stories that we've completely lost our, cultural mythology. And so we we had to create one because we've been distanced from our own mythology. So, you know, we talk about the, the, the mythical figure of our founding fathers, for instance. Um, you know, the one that I like talking about is George Washington, because uh, George Washington, you know, if you take him strictly as a general you know you strip all of a commander you strip all of the the stories about him and just go off of his record he you know he really wasn't that great of a tactical commander um he he took as many l's as he took w's uh the thing with washington though is he presented this zeus-like figure he was an image of righteousness and of goodness and he idealized the um the the essence of America to the the people who were fighting against England and they gave him the kind of reverence that someone would give a figure like Zeus I mean when he walked in the room everybody hushed and I mean it helped that he was know almost a head taller than everybody else in the room when he walked in uh but he carried himself in that way he was a he was a a dominating figure when he walked in the room and so you know really when you talk about washington you have to talk about the historical events as in this is what he did when he walked through and then the second thing you have to talk about is uh sort of this meme of the person of washington uh, almost completely disconnected from what he, uh, who he really was you know, there's two different ways of looking at washington and the reality is they're both valid because one served as this carrying, uh, not a carrying cry but it, it served as a a rallying point for the people in the colonies and the other was this nuts and bolts commander trying to do the thing in the field or do the thing with the armies you know and, and you both of them had specific influences both positive and negative to the to the war from the american side in that conflict
2: yeah i mean it, they it there is like a whole um founding fathers mythos and uh you know, the first signers of the declaration of independence and these monumental events you know they say like hinge hinge factors or if you will and you know then there's the then there's the whole like you know um i guess these these like apocryphal stories that go around you know then who knows like how quote unquote true they are or real you know definitive they are but they they were you know spread out and and carried on and and just built and kept on going yeah i mean and i think that your point about you know um the marvel comics and the movies and that whole um fandom and everything like that does speak to people's need for you know some some sort of guiding light or for lack of a better word or or unifying story um and then they get to it's like they have this whole you know they have almost these types of rituals in the sense that they may they may have a small group that they interact with the you know the centers around the comic books or the movies or both or what have you and they'll go to these you know big you know opening day um you know for that that particular film whatever one it is and then they'll go to like conferences you know and the whole comic-con thing and Yeah, they, and it's like, why, you know, why do people do that? You know, it's like they, I mean, one of it, one of the things is probably they do it because they have time and, you know, some sort of disposable income, but the real reason, the more poignant reason is because, yeah, they're, they're trying to have some sort of meaning and engagement with something that, that, you know, strikes a chord in them in some sense, the word, you know, and. And I think that's what, like, a lot of people. I mean, it it seems shallow and like crass and like I don't know, just awful in some ways that people do that. But you know, I for me mostly, like, I just kind of feel sorry for them. I mean, because it's like, you know, it's like, yeah, I mean, that's it's basically what they're they're longing for. You know, it's like they're not just longing for um fellowship or camaraderie and stuff like that though they might get that in those type of things that they do but they're also you know want some type of thing to believe in you know or story to believe in and even if they don't they might not word it that way i don't know you know but that's what's going on there i would think
0: um well it doesn't it 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 gives them meaning itself Right. It gives them meaning itself and it gives them a way to understand reality so they know how to orient themselves. And unfortunately, I mean, the people who wrote these comic books are not any better. Right. This is this uh, this kind of a bad a bad deal for people who put their faith in these stories. Is, you know, the, the people writing these stories, I don't really I don't think really know what they're digging into. When they make these stories, the themes, the ideas, the characters that they're working with. Um, You know, I used to think that there were some guys out there that could really understand, um, you know, what they're working with, the themes, but I don't think they do. I think they're just writing stories. And there are some people who have an intuitive understanding of what makes a good story. And those guys are really just successful uh, there are certain characters, um, that, you know, like, you know, the Batman, Superman, uh, you know, any of the big Avengers, uh, characters, those are compelling characters because of what they represent, the core, um, meme, as it were, of the character, it's, those are compelling individuals because of their, uh, their modality, and so people, naturally navigate to them because they're charismatic for that reason um but but so. it's accidental in a way and so you've got this feedback between audience and writer where they're feeding off of one another and i mean there's hundreds of characters in marvel and dc that have just been done away with because they're trash characters right they don't have compelling stories they don't have compelling characters, they don't have compelling modes of being. And then there's these ones that really rise to the top. And it's those ones that rise to the top that's been this negotiated um, uh, story, this negotiated character between these people writing the character versus the people reading the character. Uh, And these are the characters that actually provide really meaningful, uh conversations on what it means to be human and, and our 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 problems in life
1: one of the things that i find kind of interesting is um is that whenever they try to change the myth the myth the story behind the myth into something that does not comport with um, say the traditional hero's journey like when they want to try to put um woke stuff in there they want to try to put some type of uh moral conundrum in there that's just doesn't make any sense whatsoever uh those don't do as well as the ones that stick to the tried and true like hero's journey the strong man uh the best example of that would be was um uh the um you know since we're still in like the disney or mcu and that type of stuff but a blank character like Mandalorian who really, who really exemplified that, that strong man that most people when they're watching an action movie kind of craves, you know, the, um, the one that protects the innocent, the one that has a, has a mission and one that, um, is unfailing in his, uh, in his, in his loyalty, basically. So, I think whenever they do those things, they're mimicking a, a higher truth, than if they were to um, just try to write a you know a story and put woke crap in there, right? Because, in if we want to you know really dig down into it, that the hero's journey, the ultimate hero's journey, is Jesus. Like literally, he. He literally killed death <laughs> right right so so whenever we're, we're looking at that we we're attracted to good myths by and large of those that comport to a um a higher uh, what is it a higher myth like they 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 seek to emulate like the ultimate hero's journey if that makes any sense
2: uh, yeah, I mean, it does for sure. I, I think that it's the problem with like, when it's not that you can't have uh, female heroes, or, um, you know, properly like heroines, I mean, because there certainly are. It's just that when it's just that typically, when you see when you see someone being what we think masculine heroism is, and the and that what we see displayed is like something completely opposite of that image. Like, you know, instead of like a, a strong man, it's a female that looks like rather dan- dainty and, and pretty or whatnot. But she's like, how is this person, you know, all suddenly becoming a ninja or, you know, whatever? Um, it's not that like, you know, females uh, can't necessarily, it's just that there's, it's very, very, very rare. That they are, and so when that gets you know shoved down our throat, it, it doesn't seem authentic. Something's out of sorts. Um, but there's also the the, the heroine journey in general is, is different. You know, it's when you look at like Greek myth. You know, um, psyche, psyche. Uh, I believe her name was. Um, you know, there are ancient myths of of females being heroines. It's just, it's a different type of, of structure and character where that person, instead of, you know, going out on their own and dealing with the unknown and coming back with something to give to their community, the heroine will often have, instead of being active, proactive, she's reactive. She's being acted upon and then reacting. And you can react, you know, in a heroic way, but that kind of by default makes you more of a heroine than a hero, if that makes sense. From my understanding of what a difference between a heroine is and a hero, not to get too bogged down in the weeds, but again, like it, it's the it's the inversion of, this, of these things that just messes with people, I think, and, and doesn't work.
0: Well, this kind um, of comes in with the, let me, let me, let me get this in there. Um, this kind of comes in with the confusion of masculinity and femininity. So when you have a woman go in and she plays the, the role of, uh, the, the man in, you know, a certain conflict, you know, she's going to go be this bombastic action hero. It fails because it conflicts with her nature. So you have this, being that's inherently feminine that's going out into the unknown like you're saying and taking on masculine roles you know there's this there's this fetishization of this this fusion between masculinity and femininity um but it doesn't make for a good story it makes for good voyeurism and so usually when you have those kind of characters, either the man is playing this you know, extremely passive role where he's acted upon, or you know he, he plays this reactive character, uh, it clashes in a story, but the people who want fetish, to fetishize the idea of the man being feminine, they love it, but it's not for the story. And I think this is why the left can't actually write good stories right now. And almost all of their IPs are just self-destructing because nobody wants to watch that. I mean, people from their side of the aisle don't want to watch that. They like the idea of this fetish. And then once the fetish goes away and they have to actually get into the idea of playing out that morality, it falls flat. Yeah.
2: Go ahead.
1: Sorry. Oh, I think one of the uh, the best examples of this this heroine um, journey basically would be uh, Lewis's um, uh, Till We Have Faces, which is really just a uh, a take on his his psyche myth or the psyche myth, right? Uh, <laughs> yep. Luke Lucas could explain probably far better than me because he knew more of the myth behind it. He actually had to explain a lot of the book to me as I was reading because I'm just like. This this really isn't that great of a story, but then once I once I was like, oh, oh, that makes sense. Yeah, I was and, geeking out the whole time
0: we were reading it. <laughs> yeah. It's I was, it's geeking out to the point of like sending books in the chat, right?
1: <laughs> yeah, L- li- literally just just like ten screenshots, and, you know, in the space of about twenty minutes, I'm like, I ain't reading all that right now, homie, at all. <laughs> But I well, think it's... Lewis does does a great job with female heroes or heroines, right? Because he doesn't put them in men roles. He puts them in, like uh, for instance, Lucy in the uh, the Nardian series. She she plays a, a heroine role in that she sits back and then she offers support from you know from behind the lines while the men go out there and slay the dragon.
2: Well, you can also I'd also use like a, a good. It's not the p- perfect example, but I think it fits is um, you know, the main character in Gone with the Wind. Um, you know, she has her faults, and you know, often hero, heroes or heroines do, but all these things happen to, you know, Scarlet, right? In the Civil War is going on, you know, her family is in ruins in her estate, and, yes she does things that she shouldn't do like i said but she also does a lot of heroic things and um and 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 she's reacting to those things and i think that one of the reasons why that story like yeah some people might not like it some guys might not like it but i think it's a it's a well made story it it, it works uh because of that you know um and you know you, you can see that in other things too but I do think like it would be okay if we had because you know uh Lucas brought up you know masculinity and femininity and and it's very key uh, what he was touching on there I think because like you know I, I hate to use words of the that in phrases that you know people that aren't like us use but uh you know um there's a spectrum right of masculinity or femininity and so like it, it is possible for a man to still be a man and be more effeminate or feminine and it is possible for a female to be more masculine than average but what is not right is to have that push down your throat 24 7 because that's that's on the edges you know that that those type of people are on the periphery they are not supposed to be the center stage, and that's I think the main problem is that it's like it's not, yeah go ahead.
1: Oh, it's it's a lot. Of what like what Jordan Peterson says whenever you have a uh, hundred males and a hundred females, the males are always going to um, drift more towards the uh, or pull more on the uh, more aggressive domineering side. While there may be women that are more aggressive than the males. It is not typical, so you know the the female. There's a there's always going to be overlap, but there's going to be distinctions between the two. Um, And I think what our culture is trying to do now is say, "Nope, everybody's the same." You know, men and women are both both the same. They're ontologically the same, uh, to use a ten dollar word. What it means to be a male and what it means to be a female does not exist anymore and well i mean it exists but they 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 want to claim that it doesn't exist right they're trying to just make everyone the same
2: yeah and that's what we're we're reacting against or what people i'll just be first i'll try to just i say we lot, but i should just say i it's like you know what i don't like you know is, is that you know it's like you you know and it's um you know it I don't know, you know, we could go on about that. But, you know, it's like, it is very important. I mean, I, I think that, and then, you know, maybe part of the confusion also besides the images that we see through, you know, film and miniseries and, you know, uh, whatever, um, literature, like if, if, like what you're seeing all the time, what you're hearing, you know, in your popular culture is just re you know doing what you said like um flipping the script and inverting things and you know it's way askew then like if it if it wasn't i think if it if it was if that wasn't a problem or if that didn't like uh rub you the wrong way then you know that there wouldn't be any there wouldn't be any pushback you know, and it's like it's not just pushback with people that are, you know, self-described as conservative or traditional or right wing. It's like people, a lot of people that describe themselves as, you know, liberal or whatever, if they're talking politics, they, they don't enjoy it either. You know, it, but it, yet here we are. It's still, you know, on 24-7. But that's a whole other topic, like why that is. But, you know, uh, you know, what I mean, like why? why do we see this stuff all the time you know for the past 10 years especially getting ramped up you know it it does seem very uh manipulative and for a reason you know the powers that be
0: but um yeah well i think to get a little um mythological with it um I think it's essentially sorcery. Like, I, and I, and I, you know, a lot of people are gonna get taken aback at me saying that as blunt like that. But I mean, that's literally what it is. You're you're trying to blind people to reality and create illusions by implanting something in people's minds. And this especially affects people who don't know any better, like children, or Um, just people who have been steeped in it they're already primed to accept these things and then when it comes down to them accepting them and trying to live them out they live a life of heartache and they live a life of suffering and you know they're they're trying their hardest to make this thing work because as far as they're concerned this is the right way to live but it's Fundamentally unworkable, what they're trying to do. So they they're they're never going to have success. Um, and so a lot of this feeds into uh, how much anger and vitriol they have that they're trying so hard to make this thing work, but it's unworkable. And so their frustration, um, you know, in in a sense, it's almost they're trying to convince themselves along with you that this is the right thing to do. This is the right way to live. And and this is what it means to be really enslaved is that you're you're completely so obtusely resistant against the truth, against reasonable conversation, against your own failures, that you refuse to accept the reality that what you're doing doesn't work.
2: Yeah, I mean, it yeah why people do it and like it you know that's yeah it's a lot of you know psychologizing but it it also is like it makes sense that in a vacuum the vacuum being meaning and mythology and religion that people would try to fill that you know with something um and you know you i think it also is partly filled with like superficial uh politics, you know, nowadays, past couple of years especially. Too, with all the things going on, whatever they may be, the next thing, like whether it's you know your Ukraine or mask mandates or vaccines or whatever, you know. Um it's like you can get it's like it, I find like the more uh I guess spiritually and uh and spiritually that I'm I'm acting or or living, the less I kind of am consumed by um pop culture and politics specifically um you know, and it's not because like I don't think it matters, it's just that like you don't get anything from that really you know that is meaningful so, or not usually, and or I haven't, and uh, yeah, but people can, you know, people can then uh, they can do things, you know, in that in that vacuum where I mean, it, it I hate to like, you know i don't want to think that people are npcs you know that whole meme or um or 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 dumb you know or you have to have a certain iq to you know be wholesome and good because i know you don't you know it's like a lot of, you know being smart doesn't make you good and being good doesn't make you smart um but uh I don't know, it, it's something, I, that's why I kind of always, I usually fall back on the technology A question of, you know, it, it's just hard to deal with when you have a profusion of instant information and uh, imagery nonstop and there's no end in sight. It just is, there's no stop, you know, there's no bottom to it, it just keeps going. So you can twirl around
0: if you want. It, it's hard for you to think right because it's hard for you to think. There's a, yeah, a constant barrage of information and ideas and there's never time to sit down and really ruminate in what you're thinking
1: about. I, I think in some aspects people literally are NPCs, but it's not that they're NPCs because of some type of biological determinism. I, I think that they've literally been programmed to death. You know, there, there's a reason why, you know, television shows are called programming, because that, yeah. <laughs> that's what they're doing yeah. to people, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, but but I mean, I, I can't help but look at some people I know and be like, yeah, they're not, they're literally doing nothing. When You know, they go and they complete their menial task at, at work, and then they come home and, do what they don't have hobbies they're not trying to like get ahead in the world of course on the outside I probably look like I'm an NPC at sometimes because I have the same schedule every day but I would like to think that no I'm actually not just going with the flow I am you know I think to, to kind of boil it down to basic terms I don't think some people are are the uh, the main character in their own life if that makes mm-hmm. sense yeah, that was uh, kinda, I mean, kind of a weird way to look at it. But I mean, it's true. Like, are you the main character of your own life? Or are you playing a support role for somebody else?
2: <laughs> yeah, it's uh, probably it's a kind better of way to talk. No, I mean, it's I think it's a better way of framing it instead of the of saying like that these people have like, you know, that they can't think, you know, it's it's like, yes, they could think. But like Lucas said and you said, like, it's well one they don't have time to unless they make time for it and they and then they have the bombardment of information coupled with they like um KB said like you, like they don't have a purpose like even if it's you know beyond paying the bills you know day in and day out and going from point A to point B um and so if like even if your purpose is not um, seeking the divine or religious, religious in nature, um, primarily, it, it still would be different. You, you, these, you would still be a, a shield against this BS if your purpose, if you will, mainly was, you know, taking care of your family and you were a craftsman and you loved, you know, making furniture or something like that or what have you. You know, it doesn't have to be that artistic necessarily, but something you know um and then you would then that person when all this crap came in his way they they, they either wouldn't have time for it or they wouldn't be captivated as much because it's just it's like okay whatever you know it's like um I, you know, I don't know what it is necessarily you know but it's it's definitely a problem um because it's the programming is the programming can only work if there's you know the time The time and the wherewithal in order for it to get into you you know for lack of a better word like you it's like if you don't have the time to watch the tv or whatever then you know your your programming is not going to be the same um you know it's like guys that old school guys that um they might only watch some type of entertainment you know like maybe like a lot of people that listen to this podcast might watch YouTube more, or listen to podcasts more, or whatever, or stream something here or there. But like, the people that I knew, like growing up, that were older, um, they might only watch TV, like for 30 minutes or an hour, at the end of the day, you know, before they go to sleep or something. And now, there's like a bottomless pit, like I said, where you can just keep swiping, you know, on your phone, or your laptop, or your whatever, tablet, whatever you use where whatever you're looking at, it doesn't end, man. Like if you want to stay on YouTube for 24 hours,
1: you can, you know? I think it's especially worse with, uh, with the TikToks and the, uh, the YouTube shorts. And so, I mean, you can literally spend four hours watching one minute videos. And I have to wonder, I'm like, these people are actually getting paid decent money, right? For having these, but, why? Why are they getting paid so much? So YouTube's never turned a profit, okay? So I'd have to think that it's something deeper behind that that they're using that to literally control us.
2: Yeah, I mean it's it like, I mean it it makes it's just like what when you're you said like TikTok like the shorter clips and stuff like that. I mean, it makes you to where I mean I have a hard time like I'm not even. I don't even use TikTok or or really watch a lot of YouTube clips necessarily, but like I find myself, it's been hard over the past couple of months. I've tried to uh, dedicate, you know, just 30 minutes a day of sustained reading of a book, tangible book and some writing. And if you get out of the habit of that, you know, and, and you are like on social media or on whatever, you know, it, it's like you do have to like rewire your brain for lack of a better word. Um, yeah. So it's, it's tricky. We, we kind
1: of left the, <laughs> left the whole mythos behind it. We?
0: Well, I, I don't know that we did. Is it, yeah. I, I think, I think what we're, what we're talking about, you know, it, it's kind of a, a, it's kind of two things. Number one, uh, I think the way that community, uh, the direction that's being taken, the idea of community is being redirected from your locality to your interests. And so this has been kind of the thing kicking off with the whole idea of fandoms and things like that. Um, and, And what this means is that it's it's redirecting um, uh, how we look at myth in general, because myth itself is changing in a way. So, you know, you you talk to businessmen and they'll talk about all the CEOs and the um, the successful men in business and, you know, they. We'll talk about the myth of these people uh, if you get into gaming uh, you're gonna hear about all of these characters from video games that do these awesome things and that's their uh, their pantheon of sorts um, if you get into uh, uh, geology or geography uh, you're gonna find certain people um, uh, when you get into history you're gonna you're gonna find pulp stars like um, Graham Hancock, for instance, he's kind of this alt-history guru, and people go to him, you know, he's he's a self-styled journalist, right, he's just trying to report the facts, but in alt-history, he's something of a demigod, and people refer to him, and they, they turn to him all the time for looking at alt-history, uh, because he's kind of against the man in this, like, guerrilla uh, uh, archaeology crowd. Um, And so community is going away from you've got a disparate group of people in this geographic location who are kind of pulling their resources and various skills together to, to actually build something tangible to you've got a bunch of people who are interested in this one topic and everybody kind of crowds around this one topic to have a conversation about this one topic and they're all just interested in this one thing and they have their own little community way of communicating they have their own jargon they have their own in some senses they have their own language um and so it's completely disconnected from what they are really it's only directed towards their interest
2: yeah and they might they might even have like there are that that fandom might even have have its own like priestly class you know or uh gatekeepers to the to the person that you're talking about, right? Um,
0: yeah,
2: yeah. And and it, so I mean, so if if community and locality gets disembodied, and you still have uh, a longing for uh, a myth, like and and it gets supplanted by, okay. So now these people instead of being uh, in their town or their Or the county, or what have you. They, they go online and they, they you know log into this fandom. I mean, do you think that like that? I don't know. Like, do you think that that would exist? Um, I mean, obviously, it can't exist without the technology. But what what other thing? Like, how much does that compare to? Uh, an analog version of it, like you know, uh, a version of like, where would you see that in the before times? You know, before 2010, when everybody started getting smartphones. Or...
1: Well, uh, I mean, like literally, like cults of these different gods, they attach their their fandom to that mythos and they worship them in the, that type of way.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think I think that's a good anal- analog. I think another another one is in. Um, the, the very wealthy elements of Europe, uh, you could even go back as far as, as Rome, as far as I'm aware, um, you had certain groups that were just focused on this one thing. Uh, like for instance, you had the, the, the alchemists in, in Europe and they developed literally their own language made out of symbols um that you could interpret reinterpret and um code your information entirely in symbols yeah and and the thing that the thing that made it so you know for me I have a little bit of a admiration for the alchemists just because of the way that they looked at things so they they hid their their communications behind uh symbols that had a myriad of meanings so when you put down the symbol of gold, for instance, that could mean four or five different things. It didn't just mean gold. Uh, it could mean something as as, as uh, disconnected as a perfected human being or um, a perfect item, or it could be uh, a purified idea because the, the idea of purity can be disembodied from gold and applied to other things. And so gold became kind of this analogy for a myriad of different topics. And that's a that's a minor one. You get into some of these other more esoteric ones where you know there's layers of meaning just for a couple of different symbols, and then they could communicate just with those symbols. it's It's a pretty intricate little system they had going on there. Um, but these are analogs to what you're talking about when When cultures get really, really rich and they become decadent, they dislocate themselves in these ways. And a lot of these alchemists were known for being either hermits or they were intellectuals. They were completely disconnected from their community. A lot of times they didn't even manage their own money. They were off gallivanting the world, learning things. um, And they they really didn't have any kind of connection to their own land and community.
2: Yeah, it's the danger of uh, living in abstractions, you know um and uh right yeah and and it's like if like we kind of said like if you don't have some sort of um embodiment and ethos to how you conduct yourself with the the stories that you tell and that you believe in then it's going you know it's going to lend itself to you know picking up something else I would imagine just psychologically um you know and emotionally and and everything and everything else uh i mean yeah i mean the thing the thing that's interesting to me about uh, is myth, about mythology is that even if like um you know even if you are a particular um uh, type of religious person like you know if you are a Baptist or if you are a Catholic or if you are a Muslim for the most part like you're going to you know when you read like uh, mythology that's that's meaningful that uh, speaks to some higher truth um, it's going to click you know it's going to uh, it's gonna be captivating and I that's pretty much what I've always been interested in you know since I was a kid and, but it does kind of in the same way. I always had this gravitation, you know, I don't know if this is just a broadly human graduate, to gravi- you know, human characteristic or a more personal characteristic that I have is like the whole gravitational pull towards one person, you know, a hero, a, hero, a you know, hero worship or celebrity worship without, you know, literally worshiping them um but it can cross over you know if you're not careful. and I think that's what uh, you see that in like the celebrity crap that you know our, our country has and has had like entertainers, entertainers being put on you know huge pedestals and hangers on and you know really the first fandoms in a lot of ways uh yep were were developed you know through um you know popular entertainment, but you also had uh maybe even like, precursors to that you know with like people like charles dickens and mark twain they had their fandoms in the 1800s you know what they would go and speak and and read do their readings and um tours and you really start seeing that like for the first time in i think kind of post-industrial civilization if you will
0: um we kind of see that posthumously with with you know people like Lovecraft and uh, and Poe. Oh yeah. Um. They they were they were writers in their day, and a couple of their things got out, but it wasn't until after their death, and they just became this, um, <laughs> mythical figure. Uh. You know, and and Lovecraft. You know, he, every time you see a picture of Lovecraft anymore, he's got this really dour look on his face, and I uh, the, the the images are usually darkened a bit and there's some kind of spooky element or disconcerting element to the photo that's being taken. Um, You know, the photos emphasize how gaunt he was at times. Or Poe, they always get him in these really uh, negative-looking facial features. He kind of scowls, or he's looking off to the side as if he's disinterested. Um, You know, when normally, you know, and especially with Poe, Poe was – like a, he was almost a, a ladies' man. He flirted with a lot of the women around him, uh, even though he had no interest. And he, you know, nobody ever knew that he had these dark thoughts in his head, which which kind of you know propelled him even higher. Uh, because not only were the do- the thoughts dark, they were presented in a way that's very palatable, um, and that that's very compelling. And so that 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 um, it it kind of breeds sympathy. Uh, because you know you can you can understand him because he's communicating well to you. Uh, and there's not a lot of people who can do that.
1: they uh, they posthumously uh, made him a goth kid. Uh, yeah, and he wasn't. yeah uh, well, I mean we can even see that with with people you know let's let's bring it into a closer light, you know someone like Hunter s. Thompson you know he he's got these mythical traits about him, right? And um, he has his own cult, a very devout cult following. Um, we can see it with, with bands, and we can really see it with uh, probably the most recent one with, uh, with Donald Trump. He turned into a mythological figure before he left the White House. You know, especially among, you know, like the QAnon people, which that could be, we could really honestly describe that as a mythos cult also.
0: Uh, I mean, he's almost
1: crazed in that mythos well yeah I mean I wouldn't even say almost some people view him as Christ uh, which is whew. literally coming he's going to
0: return to save his people kind of a yeah. direct parallel with Christ yeah and that's, that's um, I, I started seeing that pretty early on with Q and that kind of disenchanted me with them because uh, you know uh, Trump was good as a hand grenade but he really wasn't that great of a <laughs> <laughs> you oh, yeah. know he, he did some good things I'm not gonna lie, but um his greatness was it his greatness was equivalent to the amount of havoc he could generate in the the enemy camp as far as yeah. I'm concerned
1: well, I mean there's not really a whole lot of lie there I mean bet and he did do some good short-term stuff but I mean I honestly you know looking today, um this is to open up a whole nother can of worms i don't think that i'm better off today than i was before he took office um it was great while it lasted but even morally this country has just went so far down the crap hole that uh i can't say that he was even a decent president anymore
0: and and i kind of i kind of um I kind of hammered my point in with uh, I think the last time we really talked about Trump, you know, this this last time when he was running for office, you know, he was all about them trannies and whores. You know what I mean? You know People get a little upset when I say it that way. But let's be honest, it's exactly what it you know, the, the, the biggest people advocating for him were trannies and whores. I don't know how else to put it. He had actual porn stars you know as part of his campaign and you had actual uh like jenner you have bruce jenner's out there gallivanting around trying to advocate for trump
1: (laughs) not only porn stars but also uh literal trannies (laughs) literal trannies
2: (laughs) it's like if Yeah, it's like the, I think the ability to, for us to know, like, you know, the, the it's easier to create like a narrative uh, around, like a mysterious narrative uh, that's more creative that you can tinker with, with like H.B. Lovecraft or Edgar Allan Poe, because they were alive, you know, a hundred years ago or more. And with people um, today, like, the thing about, and that, and that adds to, the, to the, the, I don't know, the allure of those people in a lot of ways, but it also with today, I think, you know, you can, it's like, it's almost like we know, we know too much about people, you know, that we never are going to interact with. Um, but that allows the fact that you can, you know, acquire um, information or misinformation or, or what you think is accurate or not about somebody and that whole it's like that whole personal uh private public sphere has kind of been um you know just falling apart with you know reality tv back in the day whenever that started it seems like forever now um and then because before you would just have like tabloid crap you know you'd have to like read a magazine like look at this magazine some you know thing star magazine or something and yeah, some salacious headline and you, know, you might get a little snippet of something if you're interested in it on a page and some photographs but now it's like you go to the guy's instagram or facebook or twitter you know and then again with the the TikTok or whatever video and it's like okay this person you can just Grab a hold of almost, even though you really can't, because you know, they you're never going to interact with them in, in in person, but it's like you, your imagination can also run wild with the little stuff that you're getting here and there on the internet about this person if you, you know, so choose. And that's pretty dangerous, I think, because uh, it allows you to almost interact with them in a emotional way even though it's a one-way one-way streak you know like it's probably not interactive but it it has your end of it and kind of a facade or a distortion or um at least not the whole picture on their end and then you can kind of fill in the blanks with your imagination and it's just i don't know it i think it does lead to some things that we haven't really encountered um to this degree until I guess, somewhat recently.
0: Well, it's like a, um, almost like a mass psychosis when it gets to the level of Q, right? Is you, you're really not living in reality. And, and you know, I'll I'll flip the side, you know, it's not just the Q guys. You know, before the Q guys, it was the, the orange man, bad crowd, right? Uh, where Trump is literally Hitler and he's literally Hitler because he doesn't, advocate for the policies of the left uh and it's just this enormous imagination where people who 10 days before he started his run for office you know used him as this hollywood-esque figure he was a great guy he was kind of a playboy kind of a deal and then you know 10 days later he's literally satan you know, literally Hitler. Um, and that, that's a lot of what you're talking about, where they just impose this new framing of the guy on top of who he is. And he, him as the individual doesn't actually get a chance to present himself as himself. He becomes this meme. Uh, the, the problem with somebody like Trump, though, is that trump leans into the meme and so he exacerbates both the positive and the negative reaction to him because he wants that attention he wants that uh affirmation as part of his character and and i'm not saying anything from external i mean i'm I've, i've done a lot of looking into the guy behind the scenes I've read some of his books. I've seen a lot of his interviews. I've talked to a lot. Uh, I, I, I've not talked to people, but I, I've listened to interviews about people talking about him who knew him, who know him uh, and his character. He seeks affirmation. He just, he's a very, he's a guy who doesn't have a lot of self-worth. He, he requires other people to give him worth. And so when he gets that meme about himself, he leans into it. And then it exacerbates all of this, imagination imposing on him both positive and negative from both sides. Somebody like Trump is always going to be polarizing. Um, and there's there's positives and there's negatives about that. So uh, the positive would be that, you know, the the people in charge, the, the global elite right now, their masks are off. Like we see see them for who they are and they'll tell you who they are now. Like they're they're beyond the point of hiding. Um, but on the flip side, the the collateral damage, if we want to say it that way, are you know these memes that go out about Trump, either he's literally Christ or literally Hitler. Yeah, I
2: mean, I, I think when I think about um uh like you mythology too uh, with how how like say things like. Um, January sixth, right, is getting mythologized, and how will you know the the COVID, you know, era or whatever you want to call the past two years, broadly, more broadly, will be uh, mythologized, and is and how we are, you know, living right now in that mythologization, mytholog whatever, uh, <laughs> um, mythic rendition of it, like, you know, it, and its the the kind of uh danger in that in a lot of ways is that i think that i guess it speaks to like more how are you know we're we're all from america we're americans and you know we're um i consider myself you know i'm i'm from virginia and i know that's not like deep south but it's southern you know and culture culturally and you know if you if you we have all of our regional differences you know and we're such a big country but it it's so dangerous how um i don't know it's not even dangerous not even the right word but like polarizing is is a word that gets thrown around a lot but it's 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 just glaring it's like glaringly um there like how do you view uh what has happened during covid already speaks to that person that you're talking to um, without almost saying anything if they know like okay you were for vaccines and you think covid is a very dangerous illness and that you know nothing should yeah you know, we should not stop it and uh, trying to contain it or whatever yeah to the hell with like what how effective the um medical strategies are and interventions and stuff like that and vaccines, but like it's the penultimate thing that's going on and we need to like do something about it. And if you know that about the person, then that's like a whole narrative, you know, like the, that, and then it goes from there, you know, Uh, then you probably, you know, depending on how like far afield you are with that, like, you probably also think that you know, uh, I think there's a correlation with whether or not you believe that we should do something about Ukraine, you know, the the conflict between Russia and Ukraine, you know, and, and it just builds, you know, it snowballs on it on itself. And it's crazy to think about like how whatever your inclinations are about what we should or shouldn't do in Ukraine, how wrong or right we were to have a shutdown and do mitigation strategies and vaccines and whatnot, regardless, you know, of what you're what you think about that. Like it it is going to play a factor in um how someone else view, views you if they know that about you or if they think they know that about you. Um
0: well this, they'll just infer the rest of your belief system from however you look at that one topic, right?
2: Yeah. And I don't know if
0: I mean, do you think that that was?
2: I mean, I guess you could say that was kind of the case with um, maybe if you thought like Trump was a very bad man, or if you thought Trump was very good, right? Like before COVID, like you could even, people were doing what I was saying, what people do with COVID, they were doing.
0: They were doing with Trump. Yeah. And yeah. I guess. Yeah,
2: I think that's true too. Yeah. So, I mean, do you think, so what I'm saying though, like, also is like do you, i just don't feel like we were the, we were like that before i don't know when the cutoff was or if there was one you know probably there wasn't like a clear one but maybe you know 2016 is a good demarcation line i don't know for this type of thinking to be so in the air i don't know what y'all think about that or why I
1: think, I think it started towards the end of obama's presidency cuz yeah. that's when everything really started to tear down uh, but oh, before we proceed, I, I want to go back and just mention one quick thing about the whole, you know, we're living in the time of the mythos of the, um, the COVID-19 crap. Yeah. And we can really see it between, you know, um, some of the myth being created that uh, nurses are heroes, doctors are heroes, that kind, that type of stuff, which is always going to happen during a um, a, um, a sickness or whatever. That's what they always say is. But also on the other side, it depends on which side actually wins that the mythos of, you know, say my side is this was all planned and it was, you know, a complete PSYOP and all that other stuff. So both sides have a myth, but anyways, let's we can continue down the other hole. I just wanted to make that one comment.
2: Yeah, I, I mean, um, I think it's interesting, you know, to think about how. You know because i always try to figure out like you know when the when some like um this you know when the zeitgeist to use a other phrase like the kind of spirit of the times um that we're in started you know in i think you are probably right about it being like towards the end of um barack obama's term uh presidency um and it's it's just so strange because it's like the, the technology that's why i guess it, you can't really just put all, so but so much blame on um social media and and the internet because that stuff existed before that too um and it's like but it's like i don't know you know it it just didn't seem like uh, even though like i'm have been more naive if you keep going back decades you know but it's like i don't think that It didn't seem like we had this, like um, Lucas said, uh, mass, uh, mass uh, psychosis going on, you know, whatever was going on, you know, necessarily during the the Bush era and, you know, um, beginning of Barack Obama's era. Um,
1: Well, I don't, I don't think it was as heavy. I mean, I think that's when the risks were starting, like ever since basically the Reagan there's just been a, a rift just forming in America and it finally caught up. Then add on top of that, the, the um, absolute, you know, everyone's on social media now. So therefore they, they can artificially, and you know, this is, they've actually done, you know, they, I think they've admitted to this via AI using AI and algorithms was that they, they purposely tried to train you to go one way or the other. Um yes. And I yeah, don't, no, I don't Facebook they, was doing that intentionally. Well, I don't even think like I don't think they wanted us to be liberal. You know, like, you know, no drift left. No, I think they tried to push us further right-wing. Well, I, it, well, they,
0: they were uh, if if I remember the re- report correctly, it, it was it was really just they were trying to see how far they could push people going in either direction. Um and and this is this is why I call it sorcery. Right, because oh, they're, they're, literal,
1: they're literally,
0: yeah. So they're they're literally trying to understand what makes you tick, and I'll, you know, we'll get into some of this. It, 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 when you talk about this stuff, it's, it's unavoidable almost to get into the psychological aspect of it. A lot of these guys are are children of the of the behaviorist school of psychology, and they are trying to systematically reprogram humanity. And through that, they've tried to work out certain experiments. And so one of the ways they do that is, is through the, the metadata that they collect. Um, and so they, the, the first thing that made Facebook, the thing that put Facebook really on the map um, economically was their collection and utilization of metadata. And then everybody started copying them on the metadata aspect. Um, but what they ended up with is being able to both generalize and specifically target individuals with their algorithmic, uh, um, analysis of your actions, both as an individual and as a group, um, you know, where, where this gets scary and I could cite a few sources for this, but where this gets a little scary is they just had, um, uh, a, a guy sue a video gaming company because he said this video gaming company made him spend a thousand dollars a month on microtransactions. Now, on the face of that, you know, everybody's looking at you know probably look at me and be like, "Are you nuts? Like, what does this got to do with anything?" Um, but the one, one of the uh, metadata companies that are collecting and utilizing information for some, some games like Call of Duty or some of these other mobile games that you have, um, they will actually analyze your habits to try to catch you when you're going to the bathroom or they're trying to catch you even when you're drunk. So they're trying to analyze your behavior to identify when you're actually drunk and then they will feed you more expensive microtransaction ads when you're drunk so that you'll spend more money when you're inebriated you're not able to actually think rationally so they're so, they're actually calculating through yes. the information it's like a form
2: of entrapment really
0: yeah and so it, the, the you know come find out this guy actually has a case against some of these companies um, well, and this is how specific these 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 companies are getting and and Facebook was one of the pioneers of this entire you know field of 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 science or sorcery, whichever you want to call it. Uh, I tend towards really the latter
2: Herd psychology or
1: um, yeah yeah so so one of the ones that really tipped me off on this whole thing was um it was um let's see face or Amazon knows you're pregnant like, two weeks before, you know, you're pregnant based upon your habits. Um, yep. I was going to do a uh, Joe Rogan, pull that crap up, Jamie, but I, I've already got it pulled <laughs> up right now and, and, and basically just based off of your patterns, it like it knows when you're pregnant, like with it before you do. Yeah. That's freaking like that kind of algorithm is honed in like a mug. So I've just got to ask myself, what more have they been pushing me for or pushing me towards? And how do I break out of this matrix that they've put me in? Well, th- this was why I
0: like Gab so much. And, you know, we, I, I'll show for Gab. Gab's never, you know, we, we don't get any kind of ad revenue from Gab. They're not in any kind of communication with us about anything. I like Which Gab the because, uh, yeah, me too. I, I like Gab because they don't have any of that stuff. They're not manipulating you. Um, you know, I get a lot of Q stuff when I go on my Gab my Gab's, uh, 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 feed, and I don't really like the Q stuff, but I get the Q stuff because some of the people that I'm friends with share Q stuff all the time. And, you know, I do what everybody said you were supposed to do back in the 90s and the early thousands, and I just either block or scroll past, right? But... Um, you know, they're, they're intentionally not manipulating you. That's all their, all their pro, their entire program is open source. You can go look at all of it. And they did that intentionally because they want open, uh, an open analysis of what they're doing. They want people looking at them saying, Hey, are you trying to manipulate me? Um, and, and I, I have all the respect for Torba because of that.
1: So yeah. so one of the things that's kind of odd is um well not really odd, but Google's motto used to be, used to be don't be evil and that just silently went away from their page. So you have to wonder, like, do they know they're doing evil stuff and they're just gonna do it anyways? So but anyways, you, you were trying to say something, JJ. <laughs> yeah.
2: I mean it's just that it it's like the only way um to, I would think to, uh, mitigate that at all is to be open source. Like you said, and, and, you know, have some, you have to have transparency, you know, it's like the same reason why, you know, whoever our leaders are, you know, politically and what have you, if, if things are all shrouded in mystery and behind closed doors and, uh, top secret or whatever it, I mean, I understand for foreign policy reasons, but you know, other than that, um, it's just, it's, it's a way, basically, people do, you know, people do better if you kind of are uh, out in the open about it. I mean, it's just things when you know that uh, they can see, you know, what, what you're driving at, where you're coming from. And, and so, I mean, the, the, the fact that, um, I don't know, it, it does creep me out, like you said, about Amazon and um, what, whatever media that you're using. Uh, collecting the data, analyzing the data, and then you know, um, drifting you one way or the other based on you know prior um, clicks and likes and links and whatever. But I mean, I, I think that, um, yeah, I mean, it, it's crazy because it it kind of create it kind of puts people in a tough spot where if you if you want to, um, I mean, it, it clearly is pretty effective you know and it's like i i I want to say it it, on the one hand if if you're addicted to something or you're doing something like spending money like that guy was on the game um you still have you should have this the the self-restraint and the consciousness to be able to stop it but at the same time um it's like telling somebody you know well, you know, if you're dealing with an alcoholic, you should be able to, like, you know, um, wave whatever his favorite cocktail is in front of his face, you know, every day, all day. You know, it's like, yeah, he should still be able to resist it. Okay. Yeah. In theory, and, you know, optimally. Yeah. Um, but, but there's
0: there's got to be a period of time where you get away from the alcohol.
2: Yeah. There has to yeah. be time. And it, and it also has to be like, it's like the person doing that to that person is an asshole. <laughs> I mean, like Yeah. You know, it, yeah, he's definitely not his friend. Um so yeah, there's a couple things going on there. You know, in, in her psychology it interests me a lot. Um, I mean, behaviorism as well and all and all of that, you know, because I mean it's not like I mean a lot of people will mention um Edward Bernays, um, uh, but there's like, you know, Walt Lippman, um was big on like public opinion and all that stuff. Um, but in the move for, for like a real public relations and uh, gauging the public, that whole thing, you know, that goes back way back, um, which is kind of crazy. Yeah. Like, yeah, once you have like mass literacy and you have newspapers and advertisement, it's like once the once papers had to put advertisement on their paper, it's like the game was rigged
0: um well it you saw this you know a lot of the uh mythology built around the characters in war the people that we respect like as americans we we respect collectively um you know uh, washington uh macarthur uh patton you know a lot of these guys they had respect because they had good publicity and you know, yeah. in reality, when they were going out into the field and doing all the things that they, you know, talked big about doing behind the podium, uh, you know, like MacArthur was not as bombastic in his actions as he was in his speech, and you know, the opposite for Patton. So they actually had to restrain Patton a lot of times uh, because Patton would take things too far. But he he got a good. Um, he got a good meme, let's call it, uh, because he had good publicity. Because, uh, I mean, the Allies are going to say, oh, hey, look at our general, who's an awesome general, right? He's a he's a star in the military, while they're secretly trying to find a way to get you out of the military.
1: <laughs>
0: so, so,
1: I like yeah. the way that Carlin puts it. He's, he, uh, he says that uh, MacArthur was a diva. <laughs> <laughs> Everything had the pomp and circumstance, like he marched on the beach, you know, and yeah. his classic pipe and his um skipper cap. Uh,
0: I mean, that so. was a that was a bass pipe, dude. I, I wanted I mean, it pipe was. just like
1: that. It was, but I mean, it's just the fact that Carlin's like everybody says he is a complete diva, and I'm like, I could see that. I can. Everything's yeah. got to have a little bit of flair to it.
2: um yeah, but... it, it's like a different it's like well it's like at what point does propaganda become uh mythology you know or and and or mythology uh become propaganda you know um because they, they they kind of go together you know and, and at least in our day and age um you know it's like I it's like clearly usually people speak of propaganda they speak of it you know negatively or um you know have a negative connotation to it but you know it it does it's basically trying to convince somebody to do something would be uh what one person would say jacques yule says that and then a common way of viewing it would be um that you're trying to change someone's you know mind or something you're trying to persuade them basically but you know, propaganda does a lot of things, um, it, it, it but it ultimately wants you to do something um, where, you know, it, even in a myth, the myth could uh, could and does act as a kind of a roadmap on, on how to be or, you know, to embody the heroic or, or whatever this particular myth is talking about. Um, but... It's like with propaganda, it's this very more modern notion of, you know, uh, just more crass and um, political, for lack of a better word, usually, uh, reason behind it. Um, whereas with myth, it's not very political, usually, um, it's more cultural, social, and, and personal. Um, yeah, I don't
0: know. Well, I think a good example would be, um, you know, if you go back and you look at the, the Hebrews' conquest of Canaan in the Old Testament, uh, the way that it's presented is absolutely he- Hebraic propaganda because they're looking at it from the side of the Hebrews. Uh, but in another sense, it's absolutely good mythology uh, because it's establishing, you know, God told his people to go storm the gates of Canaan and take Canaan for God's domain. And it was a destruction um, of those ways of life. Now, we can use that as a as a mode of being, not against, I'm not saying let's go take up swords and kill all the infidels today. I'm saying that we're supposed to be storming the gates of the the secular institutions we're supposed to be storming the gates of the the secular ideas and ideologies and 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 uh, mythologies and we're supposed to be dominating those for for Christ um, and and subjecting all things to Christ in that way um, so it's both mythology and propaganda so there's a way in which they can overlap is my point. Um, And usually with modern propaganda, um, and if you go back to my definition of of mythology, modern propaganda doesn't talk about the perennial or the Edenic visions or issues or concerns or modes of being. They only talk about, I want you to do this thing, and here's all the, the, the tangible temporal reasons as to why you should do this thing. And so it's much more on the nose, and it's not giving you any kind of wisdom. It's just giving you direction, like go do this thing. I'm telling you to go do this thing because if you don't do this thing, you're not a good American. Let's say.
2: Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's a good way of putting it. Of of, uh, of dividing the two. Um. It. Yeah, I mean, and and so I guess like it. Yeah, it can be both at certain times, depending on what particular example you're talking about. And, and, but the thing is, it's like, so in other words, uh, myth can be propaganda, but not, um, but uh, not all propaganda, or, in other words, propaganda cannot be myth, essentially, but myth can be propaganda as well as myth, um, I guess.
0: I, I guess I would phrase it just a little differently. And I would say that good propaganda breaches into the realm of mythology.
2: Okay. Yeah. Like when you start talking about, like, I think of maybe an example of that would be maybe um, some of the like um, ideology and speeches of, say, you know, uh, Nazi
0: Germany, for example, comes to mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, yeah yeah well Mein Kampf it was incredibly effective because my, uh, Hitler quoted um, Luther a lot like
2: mm-hmm. it,
0: a lot of his ideology was based on you know some of Luther's more radical works it's uncomfortable like for Protestants to talk about um, but it's true I mean he he his whole basis for pointing everything at the um at at the the jews had to do with him tying it in with well the jews killed christ so look what they're doing now that was a huge part of his argument
2: yes yeah, so there's the myth there too you know mythologizing right. yeah and um yeah and then the the myth of like um the greatness of the germanic people hearkening back to uh ancient times and the Aryan the, you know, pure Aryan race and this type of thing. Yep. Um, and then also, uh, I think it was uh, Carl Jung said that, you know, that maybe um, one of the reasons why Hitler was so successful was because he was tapping into, um, you know, what he would call the collective unconscious of the German people. Yep. Um Yeah.
0: And I would I would actually agree with young on that by the way. I, th- I think he's right about that,
2: yeah, I think he probably is too. Um, and in it, and yeah, and it's like like I said, like so if if we basically agree that there is some sort of you know um spirit of the times um, or a collective unconscious of some sort of our, our of of Americans, like I think there there is then, you know, that's kind of the crazy thing about it is that things are like, we kind of talked about earlier, you know, things have been coming, becoming so polarizing um, politically and socially for, you know, a, a good while now. Um, I guess that would be the danger is like, whoever is probably more effective at tapping into that that feeling or that zeitgeist or what have you and, and properly mythologizing it would probably be pretty successful um as a political um party or persona
0: I would imagine. um so i i think what you're saying kind of brings something to mind i think this might kind of tie into it um there's a combination of factors so number one we've started realizing how bad the united states federal government is in the last few decades um number two uh we've had prolific deconstruction of the american myth for the last couple of decades and by a couple of decades, that actually goes back to the sixties. Yeah. Um, and then you have a it, it's a, it's an argument over definitions as to what American freedom and equality means. Uh, and this kind of goes back to um, even the the you know we we got into Dabney, uh, and Dabney talks about this with the the definition of equality back you know before the civil war and the the conflict was over the definitions of what it meant for people to be free and equal and so i think there's a lot of tilled ground on both sides where they've been primed for certain definitions so one politician can get up there and talk about um you know let's let's take Biden's for instance like he's got this the same thing that he likes to talk about where he he brags about going and you know he's in a plane ride or he's in the Himalayas or whatever with Xi Jinping and you know he says you know what I can if you could sum up America in one word you know Xi Jinping asked Biden that, what, what would you summarize it? And he says, opportunity or possibility is what it is. Um, you know, both sides of the aisle will kind of shake their heads at that, right? Um, well, yeah, it's possibility, but both sides mean very different things <laughs> yeah. when they say that word. And so, you know, the the terminology is the same, but the spirit of the words is different. And so you've got people who don't speak the same language. So it's this Babylon effect. Uh, Both sides have a high level of distrust for their own government. And um, they've they've been kind of divorced from their own national mythology. And so they don't have a centralizing element to make them into cohesive community. Like even the Greeks, they had Greek mythology that that kind of overlooked any of their city state disputes. Right. They all they all looked to the pantheon. We don't have that because our pantheon, so to speak, got deconstructed a long time ago, back in the 60s.
2: Um, Literally trying to tear it down, you know, like whatever left
0: um well they they figuredly turn it uh uh, deconstructed and then mythologically deconstructed and now they're ripping it down physically with all the monuments yeah and everybody's fine with that they're fine with it because uh or they're at least going to tolerate it because they don't really have faith in the myth of america anymore and so i I, you know I, i know this is a southern podcast and I'm, I'm probably going to get some pushback because I'm talking about America and not the South, but I think this is a problem even in the South, right? Because the South doesn't have this proper understanding of Southern mythology, and even though we practice it in some ways with Jackson and Lee and you know even Davis, um, we don't we don't really. That's that's not a real cohesive boots on the ground factor for Southerners. Um, you you can go out into the public and start talking about Lee and Davis and you're going to get, you know, probably some eye rolls from most people. Right. Um, But so you don't, you don't have any of these solidifying factors. And then you have a disagreement on language. What do the words actually mean? Uh, And so that causes this, you know, Trump is just a prime candidate for causing polarization because in the person of Trump, you know, the meme of Trump, shall we say, um, all of these different factors from coronavirus to, you know, woke versus anti-woke are all summed up in this one person. So, you know, it all gets, and and then you have social media amplifying the, the reactions, interactions, so it all kind of coalesces into this big reactionary explosion on both sides, where one side again, he's you know, Christ, and on the other side he's Satan himself. Sorry, I mean I mean I'm rambling here a little bit, but I'm I'm trying to pick apart what we're talking about here and I I thought that might have been
2: yeah helpful the line the of American the American mythos is 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 not just you know split, it's like disintegrated. But because it used to be, if you go back to the beginning, it would have been the revolution that was uh, unifying mythos, uh, regardless of what region you were from. And then it would probably be the Civil War, roughly speaking, and you'd have two broad viewpoints on that, you know, the north and the south. And then you could fast forward, go to World War Two, to keep it simple. And it kind of got reconfigured and brought together I would say, um, in the aftermath of the Second World War. And that lasted for a little while till the civil rights movement, I guess, you know, in the uh, late sixties, roughly, and really the late fifties through the sixties. But like, um, you know, and now, so it's like, if you had that unifying factor of, you know, we, we um, conquered evil, you know, we conquered the Nazi regime and we liberated um, Europe and so on. And then uh, we were this like beacon of democracy and hope in a lot of ways uh, and freedom. Then that was kind of nicely uh, situated beside uh, fighting communism. And and that may have for a while kept us together even through the turbulent uh, civil rights movement. Uh, But the problem is, is that once you know like you were saying like it's now we don't it's it's not just that we argue uh, we're arguing about the out mytho- we've kind of deconstructed the mythology uh of that freedom you know beacon of freedom after world war ii we've deconstructed that mythology and we have you know we can't agree on words we can't agree on terms and that is true i mean it's like basically to have a coherent conversation with somebody you, about anything involving whatever America is or whatever America was you do have to agree on terms and and that could be something that you could take for granted um before probably we were born but after you know our generation and now um it certainly isn't the case you know like it's not you can't take for granted that like the person you're talking to is going to view, like you said, the word liberty or freedom the same way, or the word equality, and there's that bifurcation. It's not even just a bifurcation. It's like a splintering. It's like a fragmentation to, you know, tons of pieces. Because I used to think that, like, basically, the big dividing line with people politically in America would be, and I, and I thought this t- distinctly until, like, you know, I just got more nuanced and different about my political thinking, probably about, mm, I don't know, six, seven years ago. But like, I used to think that basically, you could tell a lot about somebody if you asked them, and you said, do you value liberty more, or equality? And so if someone said equality, then you can kind of put them in this box. And if they said liberty, you kind of put them in that box. Um, But then, while I'm thinking, like, a little more recently, the problem is that not the problem is with the terminology that we can't agree on. And and like you said, we, demythologizing of it, for lack of a better word, as well. But it's like, we also, like we have no, like, you know, the whole, the French Revolution of equality, liberty, and fraternity. That's like another thing that's like just missing hugely in our whole story is, is fraternity, you know? It's like we have so many different races, ethnicities, and immigrants here that it's hard to have a shared camaraderie or fraternity among the people. That it's not just that they're not your same, eth- you know, ethnos or ethnicity. It's that they're not. They're not even this they don't have the same values I mean, anyway you know your same ethos right um, yeah so it's like so complicated you know it's so fractured it's it, it's, it's yeah
1: but you notice like one of the things you know um lucas said uh mentioned the 60s earlier how everything got de- de-reconstructed de- er, got uh reconstructed um we can push this back a little bit further and you know we could I mean, we, we could just play a game of infinite, you know, regresses of where this started to split at, but ultimately it was a a, a disagreement on what the logos was. So if you can look at America yeah. whenever it was a lot more um, homogenous, I guess you could say what would that be? yeah yeah the, basically everyone in like particular areas was of the same type of creed and then the entire country itself was under a little bit broader of a you know christian creed but there was no really huge disputes among the mainstream people what words meant because they were assumed with the with the um the entire environment that they were in they knew what liberty meant. They knew what, you know, these other words, they, they were defined by a Christian tradition of that. Um, and then looking at the French Revolution, they completely disregarded the um, any Christian, uh, you know, all Christian tradition, and therefore words started to get twisted and, and um, that kind of stuff.
0: So I, I think, um, you know, we're, we're comparing um, these kind of, these two forms of community, right? Versus this geographic community, uh, I'm, I'm sorry, the geographic community versus the interest community. Um, and I, I think what makes the interest community uh, so volatile is I think a good word is that it, it isn't tied to anything tangible. You know, like JJ was saying, it's kind of depersoned, right? Uh, the values of your community can't be summed up in an individual, which, you know, previously in America, you could sum up American values in certain people. Uh, I like going to Washington for this conversation, so I'm just gonna bring up Washington, right? Or if you're a Southern, you know your your go-to guys are going to be, you know Jackson or Lee or or um, you know even some guys are going to own Forrest and and Davis. Um, those guys those guys kind of encapsulate what it means to be Southern in a sense in this sense. Uh, and so they go beyond leaders in their own. Contemporary context and become leaders in a perennial sense. Uh, They become these figures that are that that are to be followed. uh, Even far into the future. Um, You know, when you get into these. uh, Interest communities, you don't have that. There's no tangible person. It's the idea. Of the person with two or three degrees of separation between yourself and that person. You can't go shake hands with that person. You just see what they present to you. So, um, that means that the idea of what your community is in a sense is infinitely malleable. Uh, Because it's not tangible, it's not objective. And because it's not objective, it can be manipulated so the it you know having an interest-based community is kind of a trap to begin with because it it it's a um, it's a layer of abstraction that i don't think people can handle really um and it allows them to be manipulated indirectly i, I don't know am i am i tapping into something here or am i
1: I mean, I think, you're, I think you're right. If, if we're like, say if if we're an interest community, I mean, let's just use the internet autism meme, right? Where somebody has 50 hundred um, toy train sets in their basement. You know, if you have an entire community based on that one thing, then it's, it's kind of doomed to fail, right? Um, whereas I think on a geographical location, each person does have different interests, but they come together to form a cohesive whole. am, am, I, am I in the vein of what you were talking about?
0: Um, yeah, I, I think like if I can build on that idea, um, you know the, the tangible aspects, uh, there, there's inherent ethical questions and concerns with interacting with people of different disciplines within your community. So like if you use a medieval community, for instance, you had the blacksmith, you had the, um, the, the Fletcher, you had the, 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 um, the Porter. Let's get, let's just use those three because I'm, I'm out of, I'm out of title job titles now. Um, So the, the, the Fletcher, the Porter, the Porter and the blacksmith, you know, these three guys had to actually navigate their, their, relationship with these people. So, you know, the Fletcher had to rely on the blacksmith and the porter for different things. The porter had to rely on the Fletcher and the blacksmith. And, you know, the blacksmith had to rely on the other two guys as well. And so, you know, when he went out and he had a criticism for the, you know, the, the Fletcher had a criticism for the blacksmith, you know, you're, you're the, the arrowheads that you hammered out for me are not that sharp. You know, he's got to go deal with a guy. He's gonna go stand in front of that guy and say, hey guy, your your arrowheads are trash. I need better ones, right? And that that has a different weight to it than oh, I'm criticizing your interest. Right? Because the 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 ideal blacksmith is embodied in your instance of a blacksmith. So when you criticize the discipline, you're also criticizing the person when you abstract that out, it's no longer tied to that person and you have no relationship to navigate.
1: Does that, does that make sense? Yes, it does. I mean, it it really is more about being just a well-rounded human in, in general. I mean, um, because yeah, you're having to actually interact with people face to face. You're having to actually, you know, be, you know let's just face it be polite i mean a lot of these interest-based yeah. communities are online and so they're saying stuff that you know if you said in real life you would um you would have a few teeth missing if <laughs> you know what i'm saying um
2: yeah i mean it in it's like if you if i mean our our capacity to you know abstract is is pretty you know for some people it's pretty infinite but the problem is that uh you know if you if you spend your time doing that and and mostly doing that and thinking that you're in some sort of community uh online uh whether it's like a fandom or what have you um that's the it, it it it's easy to kind of i guess fall under the spell of um that it's more real than than it really is. Uh, and, you know, and and then things get confused and you just I don't know. It, it's dangerous, you know, and in, in a lot of ways, uh, I think that it's sad, too, in, in some ways, because it's like you want. There's this great technology of us being able to have this conversation right now. And, and there's all different other types of things that people can be doing. and and sharing and and so on but like there's a limitation to it you know it's like if we this conversation would be different you know if only if we were all in the same room you know and hanging out you know we would be talking about the same thing but it, it would be you know if we if we could somehow like side by side like have this this podcast and record it like we are now and then and then somehow like wipe it clean and then do it again in person and then go back and compare it, it's going to be different. You know what I mean? Like, and our experiences are going to be like how we interpret it, not just the the conversation itself and what the people listening to it, how they hear it, what they, what they get from it. But uh, us specifically, uh, are going to, we would take something away from it different for sure. You know, I just, it's not going to be the same. Uh, I can't be the same. Um, right and yeah and, it, and it's it's and, and the problem is it's like even without just fandoms or you know internet communities of some sort or the other with like this type of abstraction happens with a lot of people with their work or their job because they they're some of the things that a lot of people do for money you know they don't they might never really interact with the people that they they use the product that they use as their tool to do their job. You know, like you you may have, if you're in the trades and you're a carpenter, your tools such that you use, like you don't have any interaction with the people that made those tools or manufactured that stuff that you use. And you are embodied in your job and it is more tangible than say like an, an office guy crunching numbers, you know, at a desk job um data entry or whatever but it's still like you know even with a guy that's in the trades a lot of times it's it's not like that medieval village you know it's not like where you you're gonna have a direct interaction with everything you know that you could possibly do uh for your occupation uh and i don't know man it, it it is wild i mean um because it's gonna it's gonna like you said like if if the if the guy making arrows and the guy making the uh metal that you put the the um arrowhead in i mean it's like if you have a complaint or something that's going on it's like you not only are you gonna have to go talk to that guy directly it's like you know like you're gonna see that guy at church you're gonna you know have festival with them in holidays and your kids are going to play with that person and, you know, just on and on down the list, you know, and it, it just, it really does uh, make you think about like how, I guess, how dangerous it is uh, to not uh, live in that type of world in a lot of ways, as much as you can. And, and that's a world that is probably pretty uh, distant for most people. I mean, unfortunately, yeah. I mean, um, I don't, I don't know. It's like, you know, it, it the power of the power to just somehow like just just somehow like make yourself um uh, fall into the allure of of something on the internet um it's just it, it, to me the thing that it, it it's i don't know it, it it's a problem that like i don't think, you know, it's like you know, Jordan Peterson says, like I've heard him say at least sometimes, uh, we don't really know yet exactly what's going to happen because of social media. Like we've only had this for a little while, you know, 12 years right. or something, you know, for the most part. So like, how can we even really, how can anyone, you know, even the people that study this day in and day out say what the effects are on it? We just don't know even now yet. And, and when we do know we'll be getting our information about what supposedly the effects are from all sorts of types of people that are have all sorts of types of agenda you know, right and uh also, and that's the
0: bigger problem because your yeah. your complex data is being interpreted by people with an axe to grind
2: yeah so it, it's a quandary um and i don't it it it's like how much can you know, because I think it was KB was that mentioned that, you know, like the country at first, our country had you know, your locality would have a really unifying um, mythos to it and underlying code and stuff like that. And then on top of that, or more broadly, the whole country as a whole would have this Christian tradition uh, to a certain degree, at least. But it's also like, you know, it, you had you had English common law, you know, you know, you had the more ethos type of thing as well, like without, I mean, not without, but um, in addition to the Christianity, you know, like, and that's huge too, because it's like now we, we don't have, it's like our, whatever the cultures are in this country, man, like it's so deracinated and um fragmented that it that's what concerns me a lot too it's like not only do we not have a unifying mythos of america or the south uh we now we don't we don't have the same language in a lot of ways and we don't have the same words i mean it's like good lord man how to how is there
0: it's the, it's the babylon effect right i mean this is why i I pointed to it because you you've literally created a civilization that can't communicate with itself and we can't communicate with it, it it cannot communicate itself verbally ethically or culturally yeah so there's no glue and the only thing we have now is force of law which both sides are now trying to use force of law to command the other side to obey because it's all you have left um and you know this is this is what happened to rome late stage rome this is what happened to greece late stage this is what happened to um you know any any of these big civilizations that that crumbled from the top down and internally they couldn't communicate with themselves and it, you know i I interpret this as God's judgment, right? I interpret this as um, God is uh, going to humble this nation into repenting. And this is what we're just, what we're talking about is just some of the nuts and bolts pieces, parts of how that's going about going, you know, getting to that end, that, that, that culmination of, of judgment. Um, But you know this. This that. That's why I called it the Babylon effect earlier.
2: So you see it as like a tower of Babel, essentially that we've created.
0: Yeah, I mean, we we want to. I mean, the uh, uh, the American ethos, if we do have an ethos, is this. The American ethos is inherently gnostic. We believe that we can truly be whatever we want to be, and we mean that in the infinite sense of the word. We are unrestrained consciousness unleashed upon the world and so all of the um you know the 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 transgenderism the feminism the uh you know the different identity groups that are coming out all the way down to pedos those are all manifestations of people wanting to just be whatever they want to be without any kind of restraint and the goal of the people who are currently operating our government and are currently operating these social media companies that have this all of this influence over us want to turn you into a program in a computer. They, they say this, I mean, even Elon Musk, everybody's all like hooping and hollering on the right and in, and in the center about Elon Musk being this great guy trying to take down Twitter. Elon Musk wants to upload you into a computer and he said so, and he's repeatedly said so. And he'll continue to say so, and everybody just nods their head when he says it, and, they, and he doesn't realize how anti-human that is. We don't realize how anti-human that is. Um, but but I mean, all of this is you know when when they say that we're already cyborgs, this is what they mean. You don't have a local community that's tied to geography. You have a community that's tied to your interest. You've already been. You already have a reliance on technology such that should your entire community die out, you could remotely, in theory, have community with these people online from across the world and be, you know, in air quotes, perfectly fine. That's their idea. And they're, we're, we're getting there. But but the, the actual effects of all this is um, the the fragmentation that you're talking about.
2: Yeah, I mean, I I do think that um, uh, I, I think that it, basically it's like the you can't yeah I I don't know if it's of course I can't read the, you know I don't know the future uh, and, and all that stuff but I mean like it seeing the writing on the wall so to speak I mean it it doesn't seem like you know there's a way to kind of put humpty dumpty back together again um and i do think that one of the um i don't know, one of the clear things that are that's going to divide people as if as if we don't have enough already that divides people but uh i mean whether or not you're a christian or not is is a big one but um whether or not you think, you know, America can be saved, or not, not let alone, like, whether or not you just, you think it deserves to be saved, or if it was ever meant to be saved, you know, because you have a lot of people that essentially think that, you know, America was, like, you know, problematic from the beginning, you know, because it, because of any number of reasons, like, you know, on the people that are left, like, because of slavery, Maybe people on the right are tra- traditionalists, because it was not Christian enough, or not, whatever you know the ethnicity that they particularly sub- subscribe to and wanted to be or or you know what have you all the different reasons right that people could have a problem with the american um genesis if, for lack of a better word america beginning but i mean here we are now in to me like the uh, as big of a problem you know and it's probably going to be your christianity or your religion that that I think persuades you to think a certain way about this is is, you know transhumanism in general um you know like if you think that you can not not only let alone if we are able to I don't think we'll be able to like upload your consciousness for for, like that's a whole other topic but just broadly you know just broadly transhumanism like in what you're talking about the gnostic view is it's a good way of phrasing it about you know you can unbounded consciousness you know there be whatever you want to be quite literally um that notion is probably one of the the mile that are like okay it's like the dividing line like okay are you one of these people or are you not um that's going to be a huge uh debate i think and a big uh conflict and crisis potentially you know uh, i think and you know because like Neuralink and gene editing and nanotechnology and so on like all that stuff uh that's going to be in front of our faces here and you know not too long um you know if if things are still going on you know if we haven't just you know completely destabilized by then um and i think that uh I don't know like what the ter- you know this is turning into like a terrifying <laughs> terrifying episode uh in my opinion uh because it's like um, yeah it's like this is like JJ's nightmare basically like you know we merge with the cyborgs or not jj you know it's like
1: no <laughs> like i uh, yeah um i think one of the things that uh and it's kind of get us back to, um, you know, tomorrow's Easter. And the, one of the reasons that I know it, it might come close to happening, but I, I think that they're destined to fail. Um, and we can get into a little bit more of that later, but ultimately they, they will ultimately fail because Christ literally rose bodily. He didn't upload his consciousness to a machine. Okay. Um, flesh and blood's gonna be a, be around a lot longer than um computers and robots.
2: I mean, yeah, I mean I, I agree with that. I mean, but I, I also think that like that's kind of the thing. it's like the, the terror of the people that, like a lot of people that are that end up doing bad things, they think they're doing good things while they're doing the bad things, you know. And so it's like these people, their 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 approach to, to transhumanism, you know, tied to their kind of gnostic belief in you know self actualization to whatever extent that they think that needs to be, um you know, the, those people are still going to. Um, they're going to think that they're doing good, you know, while they're trying to be um, transhumanist, you know, and and trying to get the injections of nanotechnology and trying to, you know, convince you, convince you to um, join them. And and like, why are you not, you know, what, what, don't you want this vaccine? You know, know, this this, is progress,
0: man. This is progress.
2: Like, don't you want to, don't you want to never get sick? Don't you want to never grow old? Don't you want to have perfect eyesight? Don't you get, you know, it's all these type of things. And it's like, I don't know, like, man, you know, it, it's kind of like, um, technology can be used for good or bad, but at this certain point it becomes so, it permeates everything around you that you. You know it's like yeah, yeah it's like i don't want to go full luddite but it's like you know it might be it might end up being the way things end up playing out man that could be like the the last real war in this country you know not to be too hyperbolic but
1: well it, it kind
0: of sounds like you're struggling to those basilisk right yeah and that's what it sounds like to me i maybe i'm wrong but that's that's what i'm getting from you Well, it's like, you know, I think that that you could have, a, a, like,
2: you can use, like, okay, like, you blow up, your leg doesn't work, you know, and you have a freaking, you know, robotic knee, you know, does that mean you're a transhumanist, you know, this type of false uh, equivalency, you know, like, people will say, like, you know, Oh, you, you need medicine, you know, you need this or that, you know, how can you not be for science? Right. You know, this, it's kind of a, a a bullshit argument, but they'll throw it in your face. Like, you know, are you, you're doing, you're on the podcast right now, you're on the internet. Right. So, you know, what do you have against, you know, transhumanism or technology? You know, it's like, it's a a lot of people that I talk to about it, that, kind of just wave their hand at the issue and just kind of, they don't take it seriously. They're not worried about it. They're like, and and if they do, they kind of think, well, it's a good thing, you know, like, technological innovation is a good thing in and of itself. And why wouldn't you want, it? you know, what I mean, like that, that's a very, I think, popular belief among not people that are really pious Christian folk, but people that I wouldn't necessarily say are bad either they're just run-of-the-mill people that are
0: you know the risk of of taking shots at people i mean a lot of the a lot of people that you're talking about because i get that response too
2: yeah
0: a lot of the people that you're talking about don't know how much of their views opinions or information is curated by an algorithm in silicon valley yeah yeah and and it's their you know it's it's the the proverbial child playing in traffic, doesn't realize that if one of those vehicles hits him, he's probably dead, you know? And that, and that's kind of one of the, you know, the last couple of years have been really amping up on uh, security and privacy, like digital security and privacy. And when you start realizing how much of your information is out on the internet right now, easily accessible by people, probably 15 minutes, they can find out almost anything about you. And it really wouldn't take very much or very long. It would be very little effort. In fact, they can automate it for hundreds of thousands of people and they do automate it for hundreds of thousands of people. Um, it's, it's a terrifying thing, right? And, and now think about computers with an interest in manipulating you and what they can find out about you through your metadata and then how they can manipulate you by changing what you see and how you see it and the news articles that you read and the sources that you're able to see or have access to because your sources are being curated for you. Um, You know, those are enormous issues right now that uh, there's a very real battle going on. It's a digital fight, but it's a very real battle. And... It's waging on around us while we, you know, sleep at night.
1: Um, it uh, it kind of reminds me of it, it's just a um from nineteen eighty four, all these algorithms and stuff like that are just are just a um, the ultimate Weston, the ultimate yes. thing yep. to to control your thoughts. But they don't have Weston's uh, agency. Right. Correct. But so well, they, they, they never get it's they the never get disenchanted
0: with their jobs right yeah the they AI mean, they never, never, they never
1: see the contradictions
0: right well the, i'm saying the ai doesn't care about that the programmer is going to program in whatever and then once they leave the company it doesn't matter anymore the ai is never going to have any kind of moral dilemma with censoring your information It doesn't care right so it's the perfect weston Yeah. That got dark, sorry. <laughs> well, I would
2: just ask like I guess like do you um do you think that uh it's like uh, do you think that there's a chance that it won't like what do you see as like the potential fallout from this? I mean, do you see it as like just a a, a small remnant being people that don't uh kowtow to it and agree with that notion to accept uh going into the matrix for lack of a better word (laughs) or you know Um, you just say that you don't know
0: i mean obviously no one knows knows but i mean
2: how do you see that playing out if you had to speculate i mean
0: my speculation is uh either um i'm gonna i'm gonna kind of show my colors here which people who listen to the podcast kind of already know anyways Um, but I'm going to say it's, it'll, it'll either be, uh, Deus Ex or, um, cyberpunk. Like those, that, that will be a reality less the really cool, uh, you know, augmentations. Like you're going to have, um, you know, war breakout, decentralization, Lots of violence and degenerate behavior, um, followed by incredibly dangerous um uh technological activity. Like it'll it'll become dangerous for you to even be on the internet, probably. I, I think it's is gonna be one of the outcomes. And we're gonna have to navigate that, likely.
2: So basically, like there's the people that are on the internet and the people that aren't, basically
0: well, I, I think I think there's gonna be a level of reliance on the internet just because of the usefulness of it.
2: Uh-huh.
0: Um, but you know one of the one of the things that kind of struck me with cyberpunk, cyberpunk, you know all of your your networks, your internet networks are local. There is no there is no global internet network, not like we have today. And the reason why is, Various intelligence agencies put out AIs on the Internet, and those AIs became so dangerous that the governments couldn't even control them anymore. So they became free-floating, almost completely sentient AI that goes across the Internet, and they're violently aggressive towards humans. So they'll attack you and destroy you for no other reason than you're not AI, because they were programmed to do that. I think that's something of a reality that we're facing now where um, uh, the dead internet theory, I think has some validity in the sense that there's been so much, um, you know, cyber warfare going on and it's ramping up now that I think they're going to lose control of some of their weapons. It'll become a thing unto itself.
1: Yeah. I can also see how the, um, the internet can completely change. So, so looking at it from a more positive perspective, the, these local internet connections like you were talking about, it could very well um, run on Bitcoin nodes So, or, or basically blockchain technology. So you never have to interact with the clean web again. You can just connect server to server, peer to peer. Um, across large ranges i mean it would be harder for us out in the rural areas to do this but i mean if you live close to a big city you could pick up you know on these wireless nodes and then it, the technology is not there yet but that's that's definitely a good possibility yeah. i mean just making the nodes a a wireless receiver and i think that's why bitcoin is a million dollar asset is just because of the network currency nothing just because of the network it would be great um so so uh, while i'm not saying it's going to look like cyberpunk it very well could Uh, i i see it devolving down into a lot more um um agorist type things where you're kind of going under the radar for the most part well Um, i i I, I just think we're gonna have to do that like yeah we're,
0: we're we won't have any other choice because if we tried to build something big, it would just be a self-defeating notion. That, that's right. my... If I were to speculate, that's what I'm speculating. I, I think the digital world will become increasingly dystopian, and you're going to have to go back out into the real world.
1: And, you know, in all honesty, that's how we win. I mean, we're basically... Yeah. Um, we're, we're, we're defeating this, you know, to go back to the mythos, we're defeating the serpent by um you know by returning to the real world
0: yep
2: yeah man well uh thanks for having me on i appreciate it i get out of here but uh it's been good talking to both y'all it's fun yeah man it's good
0: to have you on this is this is kind of my bread and butter so i apologize if i ranted too much
2: no it was fine it was good uh yeah it's like uh well, uh, on the, you know, the eve before Easter, um, at least, you know, Christ is risen, right?
0: So we'll be all right. Absolutely. God is good, and he's going to win, and we're going to win with him.
2: That sounds good. Have a good night, guys.
0: Uh, you too, brother. Have a good one. Good talking. Hey, y'all. Thanks for listening in on our podcast. If you like what you hear, please share and comment wherever you're listening to it. And check out our Gab page at Dixie Polls Podcast. If you want to contact us, please send an email to polis at protonmail.com or send us a message on Gap. If you like the music we're playing, hang out a little while and let the song finish. It's Wayfaring Stranger by Southern Raised, and you can listen to them on YouTube or go to their website at southernraisedbluegrass.com. God bless y'all.
1: I know dark clouds will gather no, my way is rough and steep.